everybody. It is Monday, January 15th. You're listening to a special holiday edition of the Mo News Podcast. I'm Moshe Wanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines as we mark MLK Day here in the U.S. Yeah, it's really become, in a lot of ways, Moshe, a day of service. Yeah, it took a while for it to, we'll do a bit of history at, in the On This Day. You know, it became a federal holiday back in 83, but it wasn't a holiday in all 50 states until about the year 2000. So it took a bit uh, before it was adopted by all the states. And again, we'll have a bit of history, including a certain musical artist who helped ensure that MLK Day would become a holiday. All right, let's get to the headlines here. And the big one, Iowa Republicans head to the polls today in their first in the nation caucus. We're going to break down what to expect, how the freezing weather may impact the vote, and whether this is just simply a coronation of Donald Trump. Plus, an election in Taiwan and what it means for the country's relationship with China. In the U.S., another potential deal to avert a government shutdown. And the U.S. and its allies attack Houthi targets once again. And the Houthis vowing to respond, plus Moshe has on this day in history. Yes, we dive into MLK Day. And a certain website many of us have come to rely on celebrates a big birthday today. All right, today we're focused on the biggest news event of the day, the Iowa caucuses. The first time ballots will be cast as Republican voters decide who will be their nominee against President Biden. The headline so far is the weather. This is set to be the coldest caucus ever when Iowans head to the caucus sites this evening. Temperatures are not forecast to rise above negative two all day. The wind chill could drag temperatures to what feels like 35 degrees below zero. Jill, as somebody who was born and raised in the Chicago area, even by Midwestern standards, and we pride ourselves on being able to withstand the cold, that is cold. Yeah, former President Trump continuing to hold a wide lead over his Republican presidential competitors among likely GOP caucus goers in Iowa. The Des Moines Register NBC News poll considered the gold standard poll for caucuses has found that 48 percent of likely caucus goers say Trump would be their first choice. He is followed by Nikki Haley with 20 percent and then Florida Governor Ron DeSantis with 16 percent. Vivek Ramaswamy has 8 percent. Now, that 28-point lead for Trump is a record by Iowa caucus standards. So tonight really becomes about the battle for second between DeSantis and Haley. Haley has shown more upward momentum. This is her best showing in the Iowa poll, an increase of four percentage points since December. DeSantis has fallen three percentage points to slip to third place at 16%. The big question, given the weather, is who has the most passionate supporters willing to brave those sub-zero temperatures for their candidate. And that might be answered by the enthusiasm question asked in that final poll. Trump has the greatest share of enthusiastic supporters. 49% say they are extremely enthusiastic. 39% who are very enthusiastic. So that is about 9 out of 10 Trump voters compared to 6 out of 10 DeSantis voters and four out of 10 Haley voters. Yeah, the thought is to brave negative 30 wind chill. You know, you really have to love your person. (laughs) And so while, you know, Haley saw an upward trajectory there, the question is, because her supporters are much less enthusiastic, are they willing to show up tonight at 7 p.m. given those weather conditions? With the weather, a number of campaign events were canceled by all candidates 
At his only campaign rally of the weekend, Trump criticized Haley and DeSantis and those who, quote, crave to destroy the MAGA movement. He called the voting on Monday a chance to score ultimate victory over enemies he described as liars, cheaters, and thugs. At one of her last weekend events, Haley promised not to shy away from, quote, hard truths on debt and spending, stand strong on foreign policy, and turn the page on the era's divisive politics. She has said that voters can't trust DeSantis and that Trump didn't fulfill promises in his first term and would bring four more years of chaos. She said the U.S. needs a new generational leader that, quote, leaves the negativity, the baggage behind and focuses on the solutions of the future. For his part, DeSantis said Sunday that Trump is, quote, running for his issues, while DeSantis is running for your issues and your family's issues. DeSantis accusing the former president of failing to deliver on his signature 2016 and 2020 campaign promises, like building a wall along America's southern border. And he also accused Trump of being distracted by his four sets of criminal charges. He's been trying to run to the right of Trump, especially on social issues and their handling of COVID. And he's been trying to pull away Trump voters. But if anything, DeSantis has lost ground in the polls over the last six months. Yeah, he's been headed in the wrong direction, despite more people getting to know him, despite all the money that he's spending, despite all of the pomp and circumstance and buzz uh, that he came into the race with last spring. It appears, Jill, when you look at the past eight months or so, that Trump's legal issues have only helped Trump gain ground with Republican voters. He looks here like he has a runaway lead. It is unclear whether anyone can stop him. Uh, Again, DeSantis coming in with all that buzz has only been on a downward trajectory. Haley, though, has seen a surge of late uh, in a few of the early states. The question is, are there enough of her voters to get her to the promised land? Now, she does make a point when you look at all the general election polls. She beats Biden by a much larger margin than Trump. Some new polls out show her leading Biden by seven points, some by 17 points. Trump is competitive with a slight edge against Biden, but Haley really crushing Biden, which she makes a point um, to Republicans. Like, if you want a guarantee next November, you should vote for me. The issue Haley faces is Trump's positions and Trump is much closer to where Republican voters are than where Haley is. You know, he's got the anti-immigration platform, the populism platform. He's much more popular with the Republican voting base. That's sort of where DeSantis is as well. Haley is a much more traditional establishment candidate. She's campaigned as a foreign policy hawk, more interventionist abroad, continuing to support Ukraine. That is not where the Republican Party is anymore as a fiscal conservative uh, going after Trump and all of his spending. But we did see how popular his spending measures were with Republican Party base. So Trump, much closer to where Republican voters are. And of course, this is the Republican nominee, not the independent nominee. And Trump right now is doing best with registered Republicans, evangelical Christians, and Republican voters without a college degree. That it makes up a greater portion of Republican primary voters. Where is Haley doing well? Independents, those with college degrees, and among Democrats voting in the Republican primary. Again, a much smaller percentage of voters, especially in Iowa. So Trump going to win Iowa tonight. That's pretty clear, unless there's some sort of major shocker. And again, that's why we watch and see what will happen tonight. And then we'll see what comes next, which we'll discuss here in a second. A notable thing, Jill, out of that Iowa poll you mentioned earlier, Haley's favorability ratings have 
plummeted in the Republican Party over the course of the past month. While she was viewed as favorable by up to 60% of Republicans back in December, that is now down to 48%. Her unfavorable is now up to 46%. So basically, Republican voters are divided 50-50 on whether they find her favorable or unfavorable. The favorables for Trump and DeSantis are much, much higher. And I'll say this, Jill, as uh, having covered Iowa caucuses uh, in 08, 12, 16, and 20 on the ground there every time. I have to say this one has the least amount of drama and interest right now. I have heard some reporters say that basically this is a fake primary. Uh, It's being drummed up by the media to be much more dramatic than it is. But this really is a question tonight of how much will Trump win by? Right. And what comes next out of this? Because it's it's the New Hampshire primary is next Tuesday. And that is where Haley is running pretty close to Trump. And then about a month passes before we've got Nevada and South Carolina. Notably, South Carolina is Haley's home state and it's where she served as governor. But right now, Trump is beating her in the polls there by a significant amount. Yeah. And while she has six weeks here, uh, again, speaking to where Republican voters are, South Carolina, her home state, is much more a Trump state than a Haley state right now. So the question will be asked tonight, regardless of how she finishes, whether she finishes a second, whether she finishes in third and says New Hampshire is my, you know, where I'm going next. What is your path to the nomination? How will you beat Trump? Uh, DeSantis tonight, if he can't pull off second place, if he's in third place in the state in Iowa where he spent tens of millions of dollars, where he's gone to all 99 counties, where he's been speaking to the evangelical voters, where he's been going to the right of Trump, this should be uh, DeSantis country in any other election without Trump there. You know, DeSantis is much more in the model of people who've won this caucus in the past, like Ted Cruz and Rick Santorum and Mike Huckabee. A reminder, of course, Ted Cruz beat Trump here in 2016. Of course, Trump taking this much more seriously, now a former president. But DeSantis has campaigned, uh, as I noted last week, as Coke 2. And Republicans want the real thing. They want the OG Coke, Trump. So <laughs> DeSantis, if he can't pull it off, uh, you know, a lot of pressure on him to get out and basically clear the lane here for one alternative, right? Haley, who's been showing momentum. And let's say you know she's able to pull into a very close second in New Hampshire or even beat Uh, Trump in New Hampshire. What comes next? New Hampshire, by the way, historically, is also zigged where the party has zagged. Uh, John McCain beating George W. Bush uh, in New Hampshire back in 2000, and then Bush basically finishing him off for the nomination in 2000. So New Hampshire also kind of does its own thing. South Carolina has been a pretty good predictor for the most part of who the nominee is going to be. And, you know, there'll be a lot of questions being asked, like, Nikki Haley, this is your state, and you're going to get crushed here by Trump. What is your path here? Because then a few weeks after South Carolina is Super Tuesday, where a third of all delegates uh, will be assigned by more than uh, a dozen states voting. Trump has set his sights on her. He sees her as sort of the last stumbling block to the uh, nomination, been running ads against her as an establishment, non-MAGA, Republican in name only, what they call a rhino. And it's made an impact, as we see here by this favorability numbers. Uh, And does she have gas in the tank? Will she be able to win enough states here? You know, the last time we saw some real competitive races down to June through all the states happened on the Democratic side. That was Hillary versus Bernie Sanders back in 2016. And most significantly, Hillary versus Obama back in 08, where they were trading states in March, in April, in May, in June. It really came down to June to figure out who the nominee would be, whereas Many uh, do not believe that Haley is going to be able to be that competitive. That includes, by the way, Chris Christie, who in that leaked audio uh, made clear that he you know, thinks that she's going to get shellacked. 
I believe it was smoked mouse. Smoked, yes. Smoked was <laughs> smoked was the term he used, Jill. Jill will have coverage on the Instagram feed tonight on the Monu's Instagram feed. So uh, follow along there for coverage. I'll probably go live over on the premium account as well tonight. So if you're not a member there, you can join over at mo.news slash premium uh, for access to ask questions as things are happening tonight. Remember, this is not a traditional primary. This is a caucus. So Republicans are going to gather at more than 1,000 sites across the state around 7 p.m., listen to a few speeches, then cast their ballots. And so we should ideally have results relatively quickly this evening. All right, we've got a few quick headlines, as we mentioned at the top after the break, but wanted to mention a couple of our amazing sponsors. For one, Factor Meals. I know, Moshe, you and I are both pressed for time in our homes and do want to eat healthy and nutritious meals. So that's why we are so excited about Factor. It's America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. They can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. So if you've got a New Year's resolution that you want to eat a little bit better, Factor can definitely help you with that. I have been loving them. You just grab them straight from the fridge, heat them up, And they are legit delicious. It's not like getting a frozen grocery store dinner. And Motion, your house, I know you do like to cook. My house, not so much. Well, hold on. I I should be clear. My wife is a great cook. Yeah. I aspire one day to cook. Yes. (laughs) Um, But just to not have to deal with the chopping, prepping, cleaning up, and still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Uh, Can't beat it. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you've got to do is heat and enjoy. You could choose from more than 35 weekly meals. They have lunch to go like grain bowls and salad toppers that don't need a microwave at all. There are cold pressed juices, shakes and smoothies ready in two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head over to factormeals.com slash monews50 and use the code monews50 to get 50% off. That is monews50 at factormeals.com. Again, uh, Monu's 5-0 to get 50% off. All right, now to one of our longtime partners, Athletic Greens, uh, AG1. If you're a longtime listener, you might know I've been drinking AG1 for more than a year now. Jill has as well. When I started drinking it, I could feel a real difference in my energy. And especially now that I'm a new dad, I can use all the help that I can get. AG1, really a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your universal needs, that is prebiotics, probiotics, all the vitamins uh, that you need, as well as immune support. It's just one scoop of powder with water in the morning, and then you can get on with your day knowing you've gotten more than 70 key vitamins and minerals. The great thing over at AG1 is they continue to optimize the formula, adding the latest and greatest to ensure that you're getting everything that you need. And what's great is they're offering a special deal to the Monus community. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. You can try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D, as well as five free travel packs. If you head over to drinkag1.com slash monews, that is drink ag the number one dot com slash mo news again a one-year supply of vitamin d as well as five free travel packs as part of that special deal for this community all right time for a quick speed read from nbc news voters in taiwan elected vice president william lai as their next president 
On Saturday, that came as China tried to warn Taiwanese voters not to support a candidate that it has called a separatist and, quote, troublemaker. Yeah, China was accused of really trying to interfere in the election in recent weeks. This election could test recent efforts by China and the U.S. to repair relations that in recent years have fallen to their lowest point in decades. The status of Taiwan, one of the strongest democracies in Asia, is among the most sensitive issues between the two superpowers, and focus will now turn to any potential show of force from Beijing in response. Taiwan has been ruled independently for more than 70 years after the communist revolution in China led that nation's then-democratic government to escape to Taiwan. China still claims Taiwan is its own territory and has not ruled out the use of force against the island, while the U.S. is Taiwan's most important international backer. The majority of Taiwan's 23 million people are in favor of maintaining the status quo, neither formally declaring independence nor becoming part of China. So Lai's victory here extends for four more years, eight years of rule from what's called the Democratic Progressive Party, the DPP in Taiwan. That is the uh, party that is least friendly towards China, most independent minded, but they don't support full on independence. Taiwan is sort of this pseudo state where they operate independently, but they're called the Republic of China. Mind you, the bigger China is the People's Republic of China. And most countries around the world do not recognize them as independent state, but treat them as an independent state. Uh, And the U.S. has this unique policy, what's called one China policy, where we recognize that there's only one China. And yet we do not support People's Republic of China, main China, from actually invading and ruling uh, Taiwan. And so that's always made the elections here in Taiwan pretty precarious and China always trying to assert itself in it. What's notable here is this is the first time in Taiwan's almost 30 years of elections now that the same political party has won three consecutive terms. Voters in Taiwan, especially younger voters, were not concerned just with China policy, but also economic issues, unemployment, housing costs, income inequality. And they believe that Lai had the best positions on it. But notably, they did not give Lai's party control of the legislature, which does constrain his policy options. And it's not the oh crap scenario that China was most worried about because the DPP doesn't have full control. You have Lai in charge, but a separate uh, majority of another party in parliament. Lai said he will continue the policies from before. Uh, China did cut off direct dialogue with Taiwan back in 2016. And so, you know, it does have a lot of folks watching this very closely. China, by the way, reacted to this, not surprisingly, by saying that this will not stop what they call the general trend that the motherland will be reunified. So they continue to sort of their vague threats that they will reunify China. They will reunify uh, Taiwan as part of China in some shape or form. Uh, The U.S. continues to warn China, though, not to assert itself militarily. But at the same time, the U.S. doesn't uh, assert that it will use U.S. soldiers to defend Taiwan. So we live in this sort of murky situation when it comes to Taiwan. And that will continue, especially now that Lai has won uh, four years in office. Okay, just a quick update on a story that we mentioned on Friday from CNN. Congressional leaders have reached an agreement on a two-part short-term funding bill to keep the government funded until early March. The deal comes just before the first funding deadline of January 19th. (laughs) Translation, we're going to be back here in a few weeks. Jill, don't be too certain. The deadline, as you said, is this Friday. They have an agreement to kick the can down the road to March. (laughs) But as we've come to expect with Congress, I mean, come on, they can find a way to shut down the government, potentially. Let's... We're going to watch this closely this week. 
And from the Associated Press, the U.S. military early Saturday struck another Houthi-controlled site in Yemen that it had determined was putting commercial vessels in the Red Sea at risk a day after the U.S. and Britain launched multiple airstrikes targeting Houthi rebels. U.S. CENTCOM said that the follow-on action early Saturday local time against a Houthi radar site was conducted by the Navy destroyer USS Kearney using Tomahawk land attack missiles. The first day of strikes on Friday hit 28 locations and struck more than 60 targets. President Biden had warned on Friday that the Iranian-backed Houthis could face even more strikes. Yeah, the U.S. saying that they have a coalition of countries, the U.K., uh, Bahrain, uh, Singapore, uh, a whole bunch of others supporting the mission here. Notably, some European countries did not get involved, the French, the Italians, the Spanish um, among them saying they're you know, trying to remain relatively neutral uh, and seek other options, non-military options, to end the Houthi attacks on commercial shipping. Biden, on Saturday, as he left the White House for the holiday weekend, said that the U.S. has sent a message to Iran here. It's unclear, though, uh, how impactful these strikes have been. The Houthis are saying that they will strike back, that the U.S. has not eliminated any of their capabilities. And in fact, the Houthis are sort of celebrating this, that they've been able to now engage with the world's largest military power. And keep in mind, the Houthis have been engaged in a uh, decade-long civil war in Yemen that, by the way, has led to disastrous consequences in that very impoverished country, killing hundreds of thousands of people, displacing millions. But the Houthis were able to fight against Saudi-backed forces for years uh, and have survived, and they believe they will survive this. Uh, so it remains unclear what the U.S. will have to do to ensure sea traffic, commercial uh, sea traffic, can pass through the Suez Canal and Red Sea peacefully again. It is having a huge economic impact. A lot of shipping has now rerouted around Africa for the time being. Yeah, but the Houthis, they have no incentive to stop. This is their moment. No. They're like, this is their their They're time on their national the stage. They're like, <laughs> whoa, we get to go up against the U.S.? Awesome. And the U.S. is like, yo, we just bombed a whole bunch of stuff. And they're just like, yeah, we don't care. We're going to keep doing this. You know, that that's the issue you face here, whether you're talking about you know, a number of groups in the region, whether it's Taliban, etc. When when these groups uh, have a cause, have a mission that they believe in, nothing will stop them. And the U.S. ain't going in there and invading and trying to remove them from power. So the best the U.S. can do is try to take out military assets. But until you start really hitting Iran where it hurts, because Iran is really giving the orders of the Houthis here, you're not going to expect much different from them. All right, now time for On This Day in History. On this day in 1967, the first Super Bowl game was played between the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Packers win 35-10. to 10. We should note, Jill, after a couple decades of uh, not-so-great performances, the Chiefs crushing it in recent years, including this past weekend, the AFC wildcard game, as cheered on by T. Swift. Who is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, is she dating someone on the team? I hadn't heard. Oh. Oh, is she not shown on TV every five minutes during Chiefs games now? On this day in 1974, the TV series Happy Days premiered on ABC, one of the classics of that era. Monday, Tuesday, Happy Days. On this day in 2001, the go-to website for all of us when we're trying to research a topic very quickly, Wikipedia launched. As of this month, it has more than 6.8 million articles in 300 languages. But none yet, Jill, for the Mo News podcast. We probably need to we need to get, get one going for that on the Wikipedia. What people don't know is that you can literally edit 
a Wikipedia page yourself. So beware what you read on Wikipedia. Oh, oh, I I have to say, uh, I discovered that someone created one for me. I did not create my own. Uh, And then there was misinformation on it. I think my birthday was wrong on there. I don't know who did it, but it was like an anonymous person. So anyway, you. It was me. Anyway, busted. Anyway, we're, this is before we were doing the podcast, even Jill. Like, word to the wise: like, check out people you know on Wikipedia and make sure that things are accurate over there. And on this day in 2009, the miracle on the Hudson took place. Jill, U.S. Airways Flight 1549, captained by Chesley Sully Sullenberger, landed on the Hudson River after the plane flew into a flock of Canadian geese shortly after takeoff. That damaged the plane's engines, and he was able to miraculously land it onto the Hudson River. Moshe, I covered the miracle on the Hudson when I was a local news reporter on Long Island, and it was one of the colder reporting days that I've ever experienced. So uh, those poor passengers, I mean, obviously they got out okay, and it was, it was really a miracle, but it was cold that day. And finally, on this MLK Day, we remember uh, this day in 1981, Stevie Wonder leads a rally in Washington to get Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday declared an official holiday. He performed his version of the song, Happy Birthday to You, which became a rallying cry for the movement to create a holiday. If you actually listen to the lyrics of the song, most of us only listen to the chorus. It's all about Martin Luther King and making his birthday a holiday. Just two years after that rally by Stevie Wonder in 1983, which is 15 years after MLK's death, Congress passed legislation to make his birthday a holiday. It was first commemorated uh, in 1986. And the backstory here on Stevie Wonder, he, in 1979, called Coretta Scott King, the widower of uh, MLK, to tell her about a dream he had. He said he had a dream about this song, and he imagined in the dream that he was performing the song, and they were marching to make the birthday a national holiday. So that was Stevie Wonder's dream. He then writes the happy birthday song. He then performs on the National Mall. It then becomes a holiday. And so a little background there next time you hear that version of the happy birthday song. All right. We hope everyone's having a nice long weekend, um, perhaps giving back today in the day of service, staying warm wherever you are. If you're in Iowa, bundle up if you go out there to vote. And uh, just thank you, everybody, for listening to the Mo News podcast on this holiday. If you like what you hear, share this with your friends. It will help us grow. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and review us in the App Store. Stay tuned for coverage on Instagram tonight, guys. And uh, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.